0: Welcome to Swell Conversations, a promotional HAE series. I am your host, Dr. John Anderson, and joining me today is Dr. Shanaz Fateh. Uh, this is part three of a four-part series. This educational program is sponsored by Farming Healthcare Inc. The speakers have been compensated for presentation of this information. The information contained within this podcast is for educational purposes only and is not intended to be medical advice. Patient experiences may be discussed in this episode. It is important to recognize that these experiences may not be representative as every patient has a unique disease course. This activity is not intended for continuing medical education credits. If you are new to the series, Swell Conversations is all about exploring the challenges facing patients and providers uh, who are managing HAE or hereditary angioedema and to investigate approaches to better connect with our patients to provide more effective care. Today, we will be discussing Instilling IV Confidence, Self-Administration in HAE, where we will focus on how to address patient concerns around IV self-administrations and what best practices and resources are available to help our patients feel confident with IV self-administration. In this episode, we are pleased to invite a second guest, Kelly, Uh, who is a patient with HAE and has an engaging story to share with us on this topic. Well, Dr. Fateh, I want to welcome you to Swell Conversations. Uh, Tell us a little bit about your practice and your interest in managing patients with HAE.
1: Hello, and thank you for having me on this podcast today. My practice is in uh, private practice in South Florida. I've been in practice for over 25 years, involved in clinical research in fellowship training, as well as educating our local community physicians and emergency room physicians and, and who have patients who might be coming for hereditary angioedema. It's been my passion to increase the awareness of this disease state so that we can recognize it more quickly and get our patients to effective treatment.
0: Uh, you mentioned training local docs. You do more than that. You're also uh, somebody who has trained docs across the nation as it relates to how to care for and manage patients with HAE. And I want to thank you for your passion in, in both advocating for your patients and for, you know, uh, you know taking that, that uh, effort to educate the rest of us as well. In our last episode, we explored HAE management guidelines and the role of on-demand therapies in treating acute symptoms of an HAE attack. Uh, When you think about uh, managing uh, acute uh, HAE attacks, what factors do you consider uh, when you're discussing therapeutic options with your patients?
1: That's a great question. Um, I think when we discuss with a patient hereditary angioedema, the first thing I see is a sense of relief for the patient. They have a diagnosis. Now they have a disease that they can identify, that they can read and learn about. And in a shared decision-making format, I like to discuss with the patients all the readily available on-demand therapies that are available to them for hereditary angioedema. Listening to their concerns, I want to identify the goals that the patient hopes to achieve. Most of the patients really want to control their disease and not let it control them. This is an opportunity for them to understand the disease process and to ask questions. As we know, all the currently approved on-demand acute treatments are have some form of injection, so that is also brought to their attention. We discussed the mechanif- mechanism of action of the medications, how well they work, what the efficacy is, safety and side effect profile for the various medications, how quickly they work, the ability to have self-administration, to recognize when a swell is occurring, and to be able to be successful to self-administer is a key goal for our discussion points with patients.
0: You know, I can think of several benefits uh, for having access to a self-administered uh, medication, especially with the confidence to use it, and that that training uh, that you mentioned about uh, you know being able to recognize the attack early, and certainly in that role we want to empower our patients we want to boost their confidence that they can do this that they got this however in that journey to iv self-administration there might be a little hesitancy uh you know iv self-administration does sound complicated and 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 I, i guess i'll ask you if it if i think it sounds complicated or if i'm assuming that it's complicated Is that even true? Why might that be an incorrect assumption?
1: So absolutely, John. I do think that patients are concerned about IV administration. Most people think of IV as being provided um, at an emergency room or an acute situation and with the healthcare provider being the one who puts the IV in. So discussing with a patient now that you can actually self-administer and self-put in an IV is a different approach. And one of the key things I think that really um, patients need to do and physicians is be able to show them what is this needle, right? We have an IV that could be a large needle. This is a small needle. This is the same size needle that's used to draw labs in patients for, that are infants. So that takes some of the fear and some of the anxiety and concern really brings it down several notches. And then... Being able to talk to a patient about what the injection actually looks like, that it's actually attached to a syringe and is more of an IV push. Showing them the demo, I think kind of closes that gap so that we can move on and discuss some of the other concerns about the medication such as safety, onset, and um, efficacy.
0: So I noticed in your response, you used pediatric needle, infant needle, and, and we've had this conversation before, and I think that you really do a great job um, uh, allaying some of that concern about what might be in a patient's mind about what it means to get an IV. You know, you're t- really describing that, how small it is, and then you're showing it to them as well, which which I think is great. Um, even with that, some people might be worried about needle sticks. Um, you know, can I do this? Can I be successful? I'm having an attack and I have to get this in quick. How do you handle those concerns about, you know, can I do this kind of question?
1: Well, the goal of being able to self-administer is to get the first needle stick in, be successful with the first stick. And that is, I think, a really terrific goal for our patients. For patients with HAE, the onset of attack generally takes several hours. It generally is not rapid. So it does give patients time to calm down, to try to relax, and to get their medications together. One of the suggestions that I've heard from a lot of patients and from physicians is that hydration makes a big difference. I've heard some other tricks that patients have shared, such as putting warm water or warm cloth on their arms. I often provide a numbing cream. So patients are nervous about pain or discomfort. This can also be placed at the vein site so that they have less discomfort in putting the needle into the vein. These little steps are very helpful for patients to have that first tick success. It's important to understand, even for physicians and clinicians, that this is not the IV in the traditional sense that we've been trained. So this IV is a small needle going in Attached with the syringe, and the patient then is really doing an IV push. The administration of the product then gives 100% bioavailability so the medication can more readily reach the sites of swelling and start getting the swell under control.
0: I want to echo what you said about 100% bioavailability. I think that that is a very reassuring message to our patients. Now, as a follow up, Are there any affirmative or supportive words that you use with patients uh, when you think about introducing IV self-administration, things that I and others can borrow?
1: So I tell patients to relax. It's normal to feel anxious when you have an angioedema attack. Uh, Patients often feel scared. Um, Sometimes they have family members and other loved ones around who can give support to them. Sometimes they're alone, so they might feel a little bit anxious. They might feel a little bit scared. So tell them to take deep breaths and relax. Patients have experienced this before, and that's important because they know this has a slow, gradual onset. That gives them an opportunity to get the hydration going, drink some extra water, get their supplies together, and get ready to do the self-injection.
0: I'm thinking about one of my patients who... Uh, every time she had an attack, would have to go and seek help to uh, uh, to dose her medication, and that that added a significant delay to her care. But you know, with time and encouragement, we were able to get her to self administer. And at a follow up visit, um, it was the first visit back um, after after she was able to self-administer her rescue medication, and she talked about how, how much better it went than she was expecting. And so that was a really positive message, kind of reinforcing what we're talking about. So one of those goals to dispelling myths about the concerns of IV self-administration is to help our patients decide on available rescue treatments. I think it's a good time to then introduce uh, rukinest, a recombinant C1 esterase inhibitor, uh, which is Uh, One on-demand therapy option approved for treating acute HAE attacks and is available for IV self-administration. Rookanest is approved for acute treatment in adult and adolescent patients with hereditary angioedema. There was not enough data in the clinical studies to establish efficacy in patients with laryngeal attacks. So, Shanaz, can you tell us about the efficacy data for Rookanest and what you like to highlight for your patients?
1: So Ruconest is a recombinant C1 inhibitor product, as you mentioned, and so this really addresses and targets the root cause of hereditary angioedema by replenishing functional C1 inhibitor levels during an acute hereditary angioedema swell. The primary endpoint in the pivotal clinical trial showed the medium time to beginning of symptom relief. 44 patients were treated and the symptom relief began 90 minutes for patients receiving 50 units per kilogram of ruchinist. This was compared to patients who were in the placebo arm, which had 31 patients, which took 152 minutes to start with symptom relief. The difference was statistically significant. In the open label extension study, the median time to symptom relief began in 75 minutes. 97% of swells were treated with just one dose of rucanus in the open-label extension phase clinical study. In this case, 44 patients received 50 units per kilogram of rucanus and had 170 attacks. In the pivotal trial, approximately 9 out of 10 patients achieved symptom relief with only one dose, again at the dose of 50 units per kilogram of rucanus.
0: Talk to me a little bit more about safety profile for ruchiness. Again, thinking about what you like to highlight for our patients.
1: From the clinical trials of ruchiness, the most serious adverse reaction reported was anaphylaxis, and the most common adverse reactions in clinical trials with an incidence greater than or equal to 2% were headache, nausea, and diarrhea. Dr. Anderson, what additional safety information should clinicians be aware of in treating patients with Bruggenest.
0: It is contraindicated in patients with a history of rabbit allergy or hypersensitivity reactions to other C1 inhibitor preparations, Uh, so that's important to keep in mind. And of course, patients should be monitored and taught to monitor for signs and symptoms of allergic reactions, including hives, generalized urticaria, uh, tightness of the chest, wheezing, hypotension, and or anaphylaxis. If any of those symptoms occur, discontinue Rukines treatment and administer an appropriate therapy. Now, on to blood clots. Serious arterial and venous thromboembolic events have been reported with the use of C1 inhibitor products. And risk factors may include the use of ports or any sort of venous access device, history of previous clots, underlying atherosclerosis. Use of oral contraceptives or certain androgens, morbid obesity, and immobility. Patients can be trained to self administer RUCANEST once they recognize an attack. But they should also know that if the attack is progressing or they are not able to properly prepare or administer RUCANEST, they should have a plan in place to contact a healthcare professional to seek medical attention. They should not administer more than two doses within a 24-hour period. In terms of the most serious adverse reaction reported in clinical trials, it was anaphylaxis. During the clinical trials, the most common adverse reactions with an incidence of 2% or greater were headache, nausea, and diarrhea. Before prescribing rukinest, please read the full prescribing information, including the patient product information. Given the data that you shared on Rucanest, it's a real option for our patients to consider. However, they might be coming to this decision naive to the skills required to self-administer IV therapy. Uh, How would a patient proceed with receiving training to self-administer Rucanest?
1: So one of the key things I really like about Rucanest is the support that farming provides through Rucanus Solutions, which is a program that's customized to the patient to help navigate their disease. In-home self-administration training is provided with a dedicated clinical educator, also known as the Rucanus Patient Advocate. Now this availability is subject to geographic location. The RPA helps in assisting to develop an individualized emergency care plan. This often includes letters, of disease state, what the patient has, including who their clinical provider is for contact information, letters that can be used for travel, such as on airplanes and cruises. Uh, the patient gets a pack to be able to transport and carry their medications, so that they always have ready availability in case an attack occurs. The patients get, from Rucanist Solutions, training and appropriate vein care to help support the long-term self-administration of Rucanist an option to have a loan for a hands-free vein finder, which is a really great device because it can show patients where their veins are located so they can rotate sites and also have an improved uh, likelihood of first stick success uh, for patients. So eligible patients can get the vein finder. The Rukinest. Solutions with the RPA is an incredible team that's reachable, accessible, and can walk a patient or caregiver through an IV injection and be there supporting the patient from beginning to end.
0: Here I'm going to have to echo your words about the uh, passion, dedication, knowledge, skill set, and availability of the RPA. I have complete confidence in the RPA for my area she does just a fantastic job um, with my patients. and and I agree that that is that that is a, a unique skill set and, and service that that really can help move patients towards having that confidence to uh, to use Rook And then as you mentioned, there's these other ancillary services that uh, really, I think, enhance a, a patient's journey overall with HAE. Rucanest Solutions is designed to help provide access-related support once a healthcare provider has decided rukinest is the right therapy for their patient with acute HAE. The Rucanest Solutions Patient Support Program is not intended uh, to be a substitute for regular consultation with a healthcare provider regarding management of HAE and Rucanest treatment. Uh, I understand that you have some data to share with us about how effective that IV training has on patients' confidence. Uh, What what do we know?
1: Well, Farming conducted a survey evaluating Brukenist self-administration training materials. And this is very important. The patient-reported survey of 601 patients using Brukenist found that 85% of patients were confident in self-injecting Brukenist following training. So again, the importance of training is really underscored here. Um, On a Likert scale of one to five, Patients were considered confident if they responded as confident, mostly confident, or extremely confident in terms of their ability to self-inject an IV.
0: Thus far, we have talked about how Rucanest solutions can help boost a patient's confidence in self-administering IV therapy once training is completed, that confidence being as high as 85%. Uh, today, we have a unique opportunity to hear directly from a patient who uses rukinest, Uh, talking about their initial concerns about IV therapy and uh, their journey towards confidence. Uh, With that said, I would like to welcome Kelly to Swell Conversations. Kelly, hello. Uh, Tell us a little bit about yourself.
2: Thank you so much for having me. My name is Kelly. I am the Senior Vice President of Operations for Girl Scouts of Maine. I was 38 years old when I was finally diagnosed with HAE with normal C1 and that was about three years after I started having severe swelling events. HAE has a significant impact on my daily life. I, I'm i confident with my treatment, and I really try not to dwell on the disease too much, but it's always in the back of my mind because I do need to be prepared for a swell to start and also to be able to treat it very quickly.
0: So, you know, at one point, your physician Suggested Ruka Nest. Uh tell me what were some of your initial thoughts when you learned that this was intended to be uh, self-administered IV therapy?
2: Well, I have to say that my doctor at the time did a fantastic job of describing what HAE is. And I I admit that I was so relieved to finally have a diagnosis that I think I was also overwhelmed at the fact that I did finally have a diagnosis that I, I may not have heard everything that he was telling me, but I thought that it was going to be a sub-Q injection. So I had left that office feeling totally unprepared for the phone call that I would be getting later uh, by my Rukinus patient advocate or RPA, where she went over the list of supplies that were being sent to me. And so to say that at that point I was anxious, nervous, and intimidated would be a severe understatement. Um, I had never administered an IV before on myself or anyone else. I have no medical training. I was absolutely convinced that there was no way I would be able to do this. It was a roller coaster of emotions for me. It was the high of having a diagnosis and finally knowing what was causing these swelling events. And then the low of not knowing exactly what that meant back up to the high of having a treatment. And then the low of thinking, well, I have a treatment, but I can't do it. So it was trying to, you know, tackle that whole thought process with can I actually do this? You know, how am I going to administer an IV one handed, uh, and and what if i had a hand swell how would that ever work there was a definite perception of of inconvenience and after that initial call with my rpa i was talking with my doctor shared my concerns he again said you know it's doable but i still wasn't convinced
0: i would imagine you're not alone in having those thoughts right i mean that sounds like something that would that would naturally come of all that high and low. I really liked how you described that. Uh, Dr. Fateh, I'm sure you've heard some of these concerns before. How do you typically address them?
1: Well, thank you, Kelly, for sharing your story. So much of what you said resonates with what I hear from my patients. You know, when you think about ruchinus, one of the questions is why ruchinus? So how is IV administration going to benefit the patient? Absolutely, When patients use an IV stick, there may be a small amount of discomfort that may be associated with this, but I think the benefit that's significant in being able to manage the attack and getting the medication to the site of swelling, as we discussed before, with 100% bioavailability is extremely important. Spending time to talk about IV self-administration and the process is extremely important to help provide comfort to the patient that they can do this. Motivating the patient to say, you can do this. I can do this is extremely important. Giving that confidence for them because what you share in that office at that moment, when you're talking about self-administration is then going to be reinforced when the patient has contact with the Rucanus solutions team and with their RPA.
0: It sounds like, um, sounds like Kelly is a perfect example of what you mentioned. So we last left Kelly off. She's having all this anxiety about, oh, can I do this? And of course, she's here today, which I'm going to guess that means that there's been a journey there. So Kelly, how about your story? What conversations did you uh, and your doctor have? What steps were taken to help you overcome some of those initial reservations?
2: Well, I think first of all, like what Dr. Fate had said, instilling the confidence is is what got me where I am today. So, as I had shared, i I still wasn't convinced by my doctor, but it was really my RPA who came through for me, my my Rukinness patient advocate. She was nothing short of incredible. So she provided, support from the very first time that we spoke on the phone, giving me that reassurance that I could do this, that she would be with me every step of the way, that she had me, you know, she even said that, should I've got you, we can do this, I will be there with you. That meant a lot to me. And when I met her for the first time, she came to my home, she chatted with me like a friend it wasn't just kind of getting to business and let's let's treat train you and teach you how to do this it was building a a relationship and a comfort first and then you know again instilling that confidence in me that i could do it she she trained my family uh, she was willing to train and speak with as many people as I wanted uh or needed for her to do and and it really it felt like she was more of a friend that was also covering those clinical pieces of our conversation and you know, she she was patient with me that was that was the other piece that was huge she stayed calm she, was that even-keeled, reassuring force with me that really helped me uh, have the confidence in myself to do the IV for the first time.
0: So it sounds like one of those key steps for, for me as a doctor to take away from this is introducing the RPA kind of at that visit where I'm discussing Ruka Nest. But also as Dr. Fate mentioned, uh, being that initial voice of expressing confidence that you can do this. Now we've talked a little bit about Rukiness Solutions, and you've talked about introducing who your RPA was for you. But what was the training like?
2: So she walked me through the entire process. So you know, unpacking that that first kit telling me what everything was, what it was used for, um going through what I would need to do to to mix the medication, administer it myself. As I mentioned, she trained my family members so that if I were ever in a situation where I couldn't administer the IV myself, I had a backup plan in place. And you know, I learned I learned more about vein health as well through the training and you know, just when I thought that the, the support that I was getting from my RPA was the best it could be, the vein finder was unveiled. And this this was on loan um, and it's it's a game changer. And it allows me then to rotate injection sites. Dr. Fate also mentioned earlier, you know, staying hydrated. That's huge. I know that, uh, you know, I can, I can tell now I'm more in tune with when I am starting to feel a little dehydrated. And even if I'm not having a swell, I always stay on top of it because I never know when a swell may come. So it's one of those other things that I, I always keep kind of in the back of my mind. And, uh, you know, one of the other things in that training, which, which is very important to me is the confidence. I'm I'm not intimidated by it anymore. And while I would never undermine or minimize anyone's journey, anyone's concerns or experiences, for me, it really was easier than it sounded when I got that first call from my RPA.
0: Kelly, thank you so much for for sharing uh, your your story and your journey with us um, today. Uh, it is important to recognize that, Uh, This is one patient's experience, and it might not be representative of other patients with HAE, as every disease course is unique. Shanaz, we are kind of getting close to the end here. What are some of the key points that you want for us to remember about our conversation today?
1: Well, thank you, Dr. Anderson and Kelly, for your insights on hereditary angioedema, and Kelly, for sharing your journey through your treatment and diagnosis of angioedema. So some of the key insights I'd like to remind everyone is that Rucanist is for acute on-demand treatment with the recombinant C1 inhibitor product that is given intravenously. You know, today we discussed the mechanism of action of Rucanist, the safety, and the efficacy of the product. The training and teaching materials that are provided by Rucanist Solutions really help make this IV administration successful. With the robust resources available through Rucanus Solutions. Joining the 85% IV Administration Club is achievable for patients with hereditary angioedema.
0: Dr. Fateh, it has been great having you with us today. Thank you again for being here, for being passionate about instilling confidence both to the patient and then hopefully for us as providers so that we can echo some of what your best practices are at becoming that champion for helping our patients self-administer um, Rukinest. And Kelly, we wanna thank you for uh, sharing your story with us today. It was it was really great to hear that journey that you mentioned. Again, uh, you have been listening to Swell Conversations, a promotional HAE series. This is part three of a four-part series. And we invite you to join us next time where we, we will be discussing redosing uh, in HAE attacks with our guest, Dr. Rafi Tashtan. Uh, Once again, I am John Anderson, and we thank you for joining us today.